right, good morning. Hello, hello, hello. Let's see if this is working. Uh, give me just a minute. Those of you that are coming in, let's make sure that you can hear me and I can see you. So if you are here, uh, go ahead and let me know. Let me know if you can hear me or not. Let me know if you can see or not. I hope you guys got a chance to uh, go over with Chris this morning. She did such a wonderful job. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Dexter. Good to see you. Hillary, David, Teresa, Katrina, Pastor Sean, Santresa. So good to see you, Mama San. Good to see you this morning, Chandra. So many of you, it's going a little faster now, I can't see it all. Susan, Demetria, Becky, Seal, how you doing, brother? Miss seeing you. Uh, Amber, BJ, all right, everybody's coming in. You know what to do. Go ahead and tag our partners. Uh, let them know it is time for church. Amen. We have been here, wow, this is our 16th week. 16 weeks. If you'd have told me at any point in my life that our church doors would be closed for 16 weeks, I just would never have believed you. But praise God, the church ain't closed. Amen. The building may have been closed for 16 weeks, but the church is going forth strong. And so I appreciate all of you that are here with us this morning. Those of you that's been here with us the past 16 weeks, whether you've been here two of those weeks or all 16, we appreciate you. We honor you. We bless you. We miss you. Uh, Pastor Sean is going to come at the end of today and give you uh, several announcements, and she's going to uh, tell you some, some other things. And so this morning, I'm going to wait just a moment and let people come in, and uh, you know what to do. Tell us where you're watching from. Uh, tell you know. Hopefully, everybody had a safe uh, 4th of July. Um, if you celebrated in any capacity or however you celebrate, it's fine. But hopefully if you did anything with fireworks, you were safe. Don't want anybody to be injured. Uh, they were popping fire. I call them fire bombs. They don't even have firecrackers anymore. They sounded like literally bombs going off in our neighborhood all night last night. So um, I, I tried not to be that grumpy neighbor and call the police, even though they were popping firecrackers after uh, the designated time in our city. But, you know, I just we didn't want to be that guy. And so praise God, the Lord let me get some good sleep. And here I am this morning ready to teach the word of God. You know, I say all the time I'm anointed to teach. And I believe in my heart you are anointed to learn. And so uh, because we are both anointed to do what we do, I am believing and declaring that today is going to be an awesome, awesome day. So uh, praise God. I got someone from Oklahoma, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, got some people from Detroit, uh, got some people from Maryland, the DMV, all right, all right. So anyway, uh, I want to get started this morning. I'm going to pray, and then I want to I continue along the theme uh, that I was talking about uh, with this, this whole idea of positioning ourselves for promotion. Uh, we know that God has a system uh, for promotion. We know that God has a way in which he uh, wants to promote his children. And we've spent, I think, the last three weeks 
talking about how that happens. And one of the things we talked about was making sure we get an alignment and agreement with God. And one of the ways we get an alignment and agreement with God is where our finances are concerned. And so this morning, I want to spend a little time. This is one of those messages where I don't, Pastor and I don't talk about it publicly a lot. Uh, but it's a principle that we learned from our spiritual parents almost 19 years ago, I guess. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, is that it still works. And we use it in our life and we see God show up in our lives. And so this morning, I want to begin to lay out for you um, some foundations to help you continue to be in alignment and agreement with God in every area of your life. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to come and to share with these, your people. Uh, I ask you to give me exactly what to say and how to say it. Uh, give me examples that are needed to resonate with the people who are listening today. We pray for those who are listening live, and we pray for those who will come and listen to the broadcast at any point in the future. Father, we ask that you would allow our minds to be saturated with the Word of God, that you would give us revelation and insight and understanding to your Word. So it doesn't just become intellectual knowledge for us, but it becomes revelation knowledge. We pray that you give us the ability and the power to walk out what it is that you have taught us. And we ask you to give us the power and the strength um, in the face of adversity to always choose to do what you would have us to do and not what our flesh would have us to do. Father, we believe that we've received everything you have for us. We are in love with you. We are in love with your word and your ways. And so, Father, we just thank you in advance for all of the wonderful things you have done, for all the wonderful things you are doing, and all the marvelous things you will be doing in our life as we continue to live and serve you. This is our prayer, and we pray it in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you're ready to receive this morning, just go ahead and type in the comment sections. I am ready to receive. I am ready to receive. Amen. So as you know, we've been talking about how God has a system of promotion. We all have we all have been called to different levels and to different avenues uh, in this present world. But whatever we've been called to, God doesn't want us to stay in the level we start at. God is a God of promotion. God is a God of increase. We've been saying since last November <clears throat> that this is our season of harvest, that 2020 was going to be a year of great harvest. And if there's ever been a year to challenge that idea, 2020 would definitely be the year. 2020 would, would definitely be the year where we could look and go, you know what, maybe we miss God. Maybe 2020 is not the year that is going to be a great harvest. I mean, we've got a worldwide pandemic. We've got unemployment at an all-time high. Businesses are shutting down. People are dying because they're, because they're, they're sick from, from this virus that, 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 that seems to affect anyone. Uh, we've had rumors of, of, of murder hornets. Uh, we've had uh, major dust storms. Uh, we've had tornadoes this year. Uh, we've had some flooding going on. Some places have had a drought. Listen, 2020 could be the year that we just decide, you know what, let's just throw the year away and let's come back and start over in 2021. Except we received a word from God. And when we receive a word from God, we don't let external circumstances cause us to decide that what God's word said isn't true. And so we believe the word of God. And so because we believe the word of God, we have been continuously saying it is 
harvest time, or this is our season of harvest. And I can't tell you the number of people who have held on to that who are still believing it and receiving it and seeing it happen in their life. And I'm telling you this morning that if you will just hang in there, if you will not allow your mouth to cancel out what God has placed in your heart, even if you haven't seen harvest yet, you still got six months to go. And I'm telling you the God, the, the, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent for anything. So if God gave us a word that it is harvest time, if you hang in there, you will see this harvest. And so we've been talking about God's system of promotion. We've been talking about alignment and agreement. And we've been saying that alignment is really about uh, getting your mind in, in accordance with the mind of God, that you, you're able to think like God, you're able to ascertain like God, that you, that you, you move like God moves. And then we began to talk about agreement. And we said you need both of them, alignment and agreement. And agreement says it's really talking about uh, our heart because our heart produces our actions. And so we talk about agreement. Agreement, I know you're in agreement with me based on your actions, not just based on your words. Because we can tell someone that we're in agreement, but then they act contrary to that. And then we go, wait a minute, I thought you was on my team. I thought we were on the same page. But you did this, and it lets you know that you weren't, that you weren't in agreement. So agreement is about our actions. It's about what do we do uh, when the Lord has given us an instruction? What's in our heart? Are we motivated to go in God's direction? Are we going to give in to our flesh, which we know is intimate with God, know it's against God, it fights against God? Are we going to, to go with our flesh? Or are we going to crucify that flesh so that we can follow after the things of God? Once we get into alignment and agreement, we said that advancement comes. And we said that advancement was different than just like, you know, acceleration. Acceleration um, denotes that you start at a point and you get faster and faster and faster. We said that God's going to advance us. I mean, he's going to literally take us from one place and put, and put us in another. Uh, at our church, Fellowship of Champions, uh, they used to sing this song. It was a prophetic song that Pastor Sean and the praise team began to sing one day. And they literally said it like this. You're going to go to sleep one way and you're going to wake up another. And literally, that's what advancement is like. Advancement is like I start here in the morning, but in the afternoon, I end up in a totally different place, far ahead of anything that could have been done. That is a supernatural kind of advancement that God wants to put on your life. It is what he warned us was coming in 2020 if we don't, leave, if we don't lose hope. How do we not lose hope? We have to use the word of God as an anchor for our soul. Why do I say our soul and not our spirit? Because our soul is where our mind, our will, our emotions our imagination, and our intellect is housed. We have to use the word of God to anchor us when every time you turn on the news, there's more bad news. Every time you turn on the news, and I'm not telling you to ignore the news, you ought to be informed. What you should not do is allow the news to inform your belief system. Because if God has told you that 2020 is a great year of harvest, even if they're talking about a recession, even if they're talking about how bad the economy is, how bad the stock market is, how, how widespread unemployment is, you got to hang in there, even if you experience some of that stuff, and know that what God's word says ultimately is going to be the final outcome. Amen? And so this morning, I want to talk about another aspect of, of placing ourselves in a, in a position to be led by God or to be, be promoted by God. Uh, and so this morning, what I want to talk about is how to become a prompt and cheerful, cheerful giver. 
how to become a prompt and cheerful giver. Listen, the Bible says it like this. It says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I know a lot of times when people hear messages like this, they start to think, well, you know, uh, pastor going to preach a message about, about getting money. No, not necessarily. I don't, I don't desire a gift from you, but I do desire a gift towards you. And it would be disingenuous uh, and unpastoral of me to not tell you that in God's system, there are certain principles at work. And that if you don't work those principles, there are certain things you're not entitled to. And so this morning, I want to talk about how do we get ourselves in position? How do we align? How do we get in agreement with God? We're giving this concern and what what types of giving and how should we give and what should we expect when we give? And so I want to talk about being a prompt and chill forgiver. Now, before I do that, uh, you know, the Bible talks about it being more blessed to give than to receive. And, and what that really means is, is that it just becomes more empowering to you. If you're always just a receiver, uh, at some point, you're not going to have seed in the ground. If you don't have seed in the ground, you can't experience harvest. And so the Bible literally tells us, it tells us it is more empowering or it's more blessed to give than to receive. And here's the revelation I got years ago. If I am a giver, that means I have. So if I have to give, it means I've already been blessed. And so if I want to further my blessedness, then all I have to do is get in line with God's system of giving because the more I give, literally, the more I receive because he's just a good God like that. So let's take a look at a couple of scriptures. I'm going to walk you through some things and we'll get as far as we get uh, in over the next 45 minutes or so. And we can always take a break and come back next week. We don't have to rush this because I really want you to understand that God wants to promote you. God wants to increase you. And that number one, God is not a taker. Go ahead and write that in the comment section right now. God is not a taker. God is not a taker. If God ever asked us for anything, it is because he's wanting to give us more or something better. God is not a taker. Amen. The Bible also says this. It says, if you believe in God, that you would be established. Okay. You would be established. He says, but believe on his prophet and you shall prosper. Now, why, why do I say that? Because I can't be the man of God to you and you only are able to receive something uh, when it agrees with you. Um, there are times that you have to humble and submit yourself. We did these whole teachings about humility. And here's maybe one of these days where you're going to have to humble yourself and say, you know what? I, I, Pastor Edwin, Pastor Sean, Pastor Rav, Pastor Chris, they have proven to me that, they're, that, that my best interest uh, they have. And so if they have my best interest, even if they say something that causes my flesh to recoil, I am not going to tune them out because I realize that they're only teaching this because Holy Spirit has prompted them to. And it's something that I need. Amen. God is not a taker. Now, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. And I believe I sent these notes to the admin. And so uh, the admin can put those up on the screen uh, as I go so that that way you don't have to try to necessarily look for them. You can just kind of hear it and then read it on the screen. So 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 in the King James Version says this. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. He says, and not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Now, now think about that. He's talking about, he's talking about reciprocity here. He says that however you give is how it's going to come back to you. He says, but if you decide to give, there's a method or an attitude you should have when you give. He says, you don't need to give it reluctantly. He says, and you should never give because you feel like somebody is making you. This is very, very important. It's the reason in our church we don't, we don't do things uh, like we've seen grown up before. We don't have uh, pressure situations where we're trying to pressure people into giving because when people give in a pressure situation, even though they may give, there's no harvest off of that because the Bible is clear on how you should give. And it says you should not give if you have reluctancy to do it and you should not give if you got to do it and, and begrudgingly. But I submit to you that anytime you're feeling uh, when, the, when the Lord has told you to give, not somebody, but when the Lord has told you to give and you feel that reluctancy to do it and you feel grudgingly to do it, that you have to check yourself because it may be your flesh as opposed to you're not just supposed to do it. And so we have to learn how to make that distinction. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8 in the Amplified, I like this because it really does uh, amplify this verse. It says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap in the same manner. And he who sows generously, why is he sowing generously? So that blessings may come to someone else. Now, see, I, 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 have, to, I have to stop here and parenthetically insert that if you're only ever giving so that you can get, it's the wrong reason to give. I'm not saying God doesn't bless us when we give. I'm saying to you that if your only motivation for ever giving is so that you can get something back, it is the wrong reason to give. And because it's the wrong reason to give, you're giving outside of the principle that God has established. He says, and he who sows generously so that blessings may come to someone else will also reap generously and with blessings. Verse 7 says, let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully, or under compulsion. I like that he added the word sorrowfully. Listen, when you give, giving should be joyous. You know, we, we, we are in the midst of a fundraiser in the month of July for our fundraising drive. I can't tell you how excited I was to give to it. I can't tell you how excited I got when other people gave to it. None of that is going to benefit me personally, but I get joy when I know that I can give into something that allows someone else to be blessed. Why? Because I'm a firm believer in the Bible saying that what I make happen for somebody else, God will make happen for me. So I don't mind being a blessing to someone else. Number one, it's what God asked me to do. But number two, it gives me joy. <coughs> excuse me. It gives me joy to see someone else prospering. Now, he, he goes on to say, he says, he takes pleasure in, who is he? God. He takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things. And watch this, he is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, watch this, 
prompt to do it, giver, whose heart is in his giving. I love that so much. Notice this. He said, God takes pleasure in and he prizes above other things. He prizes above other things. He is unwilling to abandon. God's never going to leave the giver. It says, or to do without a cheerful, joyous, once this prompt to do it. It's important that when God puts on your heart to do something, that you move quickly. Why? Because if you don't move quickly, you have an opportunity for Satan to come in and to talk you out of what God has instructed you to do. And he doesn't talk you out of it by just telling you to be disobedient. He gives you reason. He gives you excuses. He gives you certain principles so that he can help you to understand why you shouldn't do what God's instructed you to do. He says you need to be a prompt to do it giver. What? And he says, and then your heart needs to be in your giving. Don't do it because you're scared of God. God never asks us to give because we're terrified of God. He says give as an expression of your love and give because you're in alignment with me. See, my, 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 my thing is, and Pastor Sean's thing has always been, if it's important to God, it's important to us. So if God wants me, if God wants to use resources that he's blessed me with uh, to, to do something, then we do it. Why? Because in our minds, we believe that it all belongs to God anyway. God owns everything. We're just stewards. Some of you ought to go ahead and type that this morning. Say, God owns everything. I'm just a steward. God owns everything. I'm just a steward. Because when you understand that, then you don't get into a conversation about whether or not you should give. Because you realize it's not really yours anyway. You just have the wonderful opportunity to steward over. Because if God didn't give you the oxygen to even go to work to earn what you have, or he didn't give you the wisdom to learn to invest to get a return on what you, what you put in, you wouldn't have anything anyway. So it all belongs to God. God owns everything. We own nothing. So he says here, he says he wants you to be a joyous, prompt to do giver, and he wants your heart to be in your giving. Verse 8 says, now God is able, watch this, to make all grace. What is all grace? He defines it. He says, every favor and every earthly blessing come to you in abundance. When does God do this? When you become a cheerful, a cheerful, joyous giver and your heart is in your giving and you're prompt to obey him. He says, once you follow that principle, the next principle that follows is that God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Why does God do that? So that you may now have always and under all circumstances and in whatever the need may be to be self-sufficient. What does it mean to be self-sufficient? Possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish, watch this, in abundance. That means God wants to give you so much that you have enough for you and to still be a giver. Notice what God says. God says, I ask you to give and I ask your heart to be in it. I ask you to do it cheerfully and to be joyous about it. I ask you to be quick to do it and I ask you to have your heart in it. Why? So that I can then turn around and bless you with overflow so that you have more than enough for you and more than enough to continue this process of giving. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't God marvelous? Isn't God, isn't God just so good to us? He says, look, I ask you for a little 
so I can give you a lot so you can have a lot and you can have a lot to give. I'm telling you, when you become a person who gets in alignment and agreement with God where giving is concerned, abundance will track you down. He says, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. I can't tell you how excited I am about the people who have sown into the scholarship fund because I believe and declare that there's going to come a time where they're going to have a need. And heaven is going to remember how they sold into the life of those young people, how God, how they sold, how they, 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 they took their resources and sold into the life of some young people to not have to have college debt. And then whatever they, they find themselves in need of, God's going to make this abundance come back to them. This is so good. Listen, there's a couple things we're going to get out of this, and, and, and then we're going to let you marinate on that, and we'll come back. Uh, in the next week or so and talk about it. But I want you to really spend some time this week going back and reading through that. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 8 and just think about it, especially Amplify. Just read it and just break down all the little parts. It gives us a wonderful explanation of what we need to do to cause increase to come into our lives. Amen? Now, let's look at this. Giving with the right motivation always causes blessings to manifest in our lives. Giving with the right motivation. Go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say, I give with the right motivation. I give with the right motivation. I know I've heard so many preachers. I have. I've heard so many preachers on television. I've heard so many preachers, uh, you know, at conferences. And, and they're, they're not, not telling the truth, but I think their emphasis is on the wrong place. Sometimes when we're talking to people about giving, all we're telling people is to give so that they can get. But there's a right motivation. When we give, do we get? Absolutely. Why? Because it's a promise that God has made. And God is not a man that he should lie. He's going to keep his promise. So, you you know, we used to sing a song, you can't beat God's giving, no matter how hard you try. Well, that's true because God has infinite more resources than we ever would. So no matter what you give, God can give you back what you gave plus some. The idea, though, is that we are to be giving with the right motivation. And I want to talk about what that right motivation is. Something supernatural always happens when we give. Something supernatural always happens when we give. And I want to show you something in Philippians uh, 4 and 19. And I'm not sure that our admin had this. This came to me as I was sitting here thinking uh, about this. But I want, to, I want you to see something in, in Philippians 4 and 19. Because Philippians 4 and 19 is something that we quote uh, all the time. We quote it all the time. Uh, and here's what it says in Philippians 4.19. It says, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I, I'm telling you, if you've been to church uh, a few times, you have probably heard that scripture. You may not have knew where it was, but you've heard that scripture. Philippians 4.19. It says, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That is true, but I want you to understand something this morning. Hear me out. The only place you see that is in the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church at Philippi. And when he was writing to the church at Philippi, he included that in there for a specific reason. And I want us to understand what that specific reason is, because the reality is you don't have the right to just go around declaring that God's going to supply all of your need 
according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, if you haven't followed the principle that prompted that response. So let's take a look at Philippians chapter four, just real quick. Uh, and, and I just I just want to give you the, the quick story. We won't have to read all of this. But in Philippians chapter four, in this letter that the apostle Paul has, is writing to the church at Philippi, he's writing to them about how no church had communicated to him uh, with his need. And when he uses the word communicate, he literally is saying, listen, out of all the churches of Macedonia, he was like, nobody else uh, gave, took up an offering and gave me an offering as I was out doing all of this missionary work. As I was out here preaching the gospel, as I was out here converting people from, from, from heathens in, in, into the kingdom. He says, nobody uh, communicated that to me, but you only. Uh, and, and then he begins to say to them, uh, and I think it's around verse like 12. He says, I know both how to be abased, he says, and I know how to abandon. He says, everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Here's what he was saying. He was like, look, I'm not saying that somebody needs to give me something. If God's called me to do it, then God will provide for me. He says, however, there is a blessing that comes for those who partner with God. And then he says this. He says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He says, notwithstanding, in verse 14, you have done well. Notice this. He says, notwithstanding, you have done well. Paul says, look, I, I've learned to be happy whether I'm hungry or whether I'm full. He says, I've learned to be happy whether I got a roof over my head or not. He says, I've learned to be happy whether someone is helping me do ministry or someone's not helping me to do, do ministry. He says, listen, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever I've been called to do, I can do it because Christ is strengthening me. He says, but notwithstanding, you, Philippians, you, 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 you people in, in the church of Philippi, you have done well. How? That you did communicate with me in my affliction. In other words, when I didn't have anything, you did well in communicating by giving me something. He says, and now you Philippians know also, verse 15, that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, he said, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He said, you're the only ones who did it. He said, everybody else knew I was going to preach the gospel. Everybody else knew it was going to take resources to get it done. Listen, everybody knows it takes money to get to college. Everybody knows it takes money to buy books. Everybody knows it takes money for room and board. Everybody wants kids to have a wonderful opportunity to go to school and to get an education and better their lives. But everybody knows it costs money. He said, but everybody didn't communicate that. Everybody didn't use their resources to help demonstrate how important that was. He says to the church of Philippi, when I went to preach the gospel, everybody knew it cost something. He said, but nobody communicated it to me except for you. And then in verse 16, he says, for even in Thessalonica, he says, you sent once and again to my necessity. He said, you didn't just give one time. You gave over and over again. Every time you heard there was a need to keep the gospel going, you guys kept giving. He says, now I say this not because I desire another gift from you. He says, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He says, I'm telling you that this giving you did, that it was prompted upon you, that caused you to see a need to keep the gospel going and caused you to take from what you had to give to me to continue to do what I needed to do. He says, I need you to know I'm not explaining how good this was because I want you to continue to give me a gift. He says, I'm doing this because I need you to know that because you did it, there is now a gift available to you. There is fruit that's now abounding to your account. Verse 18, 
It says, but I have all, and he says, but I have all in a bam. I am full, having received, he said, the things which were sent from you, and the odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Then he says, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Why did he say that? Because they had given first. They had done something to promote the gospel. They partnered with God in getting the gospel out. I am telling you that your motivation for giving should not be just to get. It should be to partner with God. Your motivation should, for giving should be partnering with God. So if God, if something's important to God, it should be important to you. So if God speaks to you and God says, hey, I want you to give $10 to this person who's standing in line at the grocery store. And you're like, but I don't even know them. If they're important to God and God has prompted on your heart to do it, you need to be a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do giver whose heart is in his gift. Why? Because it allows you to partner with God. And when you partner with God, then you can say, now God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Somebody give the Lord some praise for that. Amen. Because I believe we got some people out there who've partnered with God. Come on, go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I am a partner with God. Listen, and if you haven't partnered with God, now's a great time to partner with God. When it's, when it's an opportunity to give, don't see it as a loss. Never see giving as a loss because when you are in the kingdom of God, nothing is ever a loss. Why do we think things are a loss when we give? Let me tell you real quick, and this ain't in the notes either, but let me give you this real quick. The reason people see giving as a loss is because they think the kingdom of God is just like uh, the world that we live in. The world that we live in has uh, a, a, a finite amount of resources. Uh, there are only so many trees. Uh, if you cut them all down, they're all gone. Um, we, we have a, a, a finite amount of natural resources. If you use them all up, then they're all gone. And so we believe in our minds sometimes that the kingdom of God is the same way. But you cannot exhaust all the resources of the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. You cannot exhaust. If all of us got everything we ever needed, wanted, and imagined, we still would not exhaust or even come close to exhausting the resources in the kingdom of God. And so we've got to learn to stop operating with a scarcity mentality and learn to begin to operate with an abundance mentality. An abundance mentality says that if God asks me to give, I know that there's plenty more if I ever need it. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to need next week or next month or next year because today is sufficient for today. If God says give today, I obey God knowing that he is, he, he is unwilling to abandon, the scripture says, or to do without a prompt to do giver whose heart is in his giving. And so it's important for us to transition from a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality. Now, why is that important? Let's look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Here's what it says. It says, give and it shall be given to you. It should be given good measure, pressed down and shaken over. It says, running, running over into your lap for with the same measure. Now watch this. You use will be measured back to you. I love that. He says, give and it will be given back to you. What is the it, what you're giving? 
So I tell people this all the time. If you believe in God to have more time, then you need to sow time into somebody's life. If you believe God for friends, you need to sow being a friend. Uh, if, if you want to, if you want to, want to, want to, if you want to harvest or receive loyalty, you need to sow loyalty into someone's life. You need to learn to be loyal to someone. Well, the same thing is true where money is concerned. If you want increase in finances to uh, to come back to you in abundance, then you need to sow. And the principle here is, it says the same measure you use to measure it out is the same measure it's going to come back to you. Now. Never get confused with amounts in the kingdom. God doesn't care about amounts. He doesn't care whether you give a million dollars or a hundred dollars. In the kingdom, that has no weight. What has weight is what you do based on God's instruction. It has everything to do with based on God's instruction. So if God tells you to give $10 and you're like, oh, but I can give a thousand. He doesn't need you to give a thousand. He needs you to give the 10 because that's what he's instructed. But the converse of that is true. If he asks you for a thousand and you say, well, I only feel comfortable giving 10. Well, there's no blessing on that because you've got to do whatever his instruction is. So the Bible says, give and it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Uh, shall men give into your bosom or shall it fall into your lap? It says, for with the same measure you use to meet it is how it's going to be measured back. We use an example sometimes when we're teaching this. We say, you know, if you were going to fill a 10-gallon um, <clears throat> gallon drum and you was going to try to fill it with some kind of liquid and you were using a tablespoon, eventually you could fill that 10-gallon bucket, you could a drum. You could fill it one tablespoon at a time. It may take you a while, but you could do it. What we also say is you could take a ladle uh, and, 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 or, or a gallon jug and scoop up a gallon and pour it into the drum, and you would do it faster. What we're trying to get you to understand is that when you sow, however you sow, it's going to come back to you in that proportion. So when God is asking you to give something and it seems big to you, it's because what God wants to return to you is big. So don't panic, don't, don't freak out, don't, don't get scared, don't run from God. Embrace the fact that if God is asking you for something that you consider big, uh, it may not be big to someone else, but it's big to you. Just know it's because he wants to give back to you in a big measure. The, the, there's this word that I've always wondered uh, here in, in Luke 6.38, and it's the word it. The word it in this scripture refers to uh, whatever you are giving. As I said, if you want someone, if you want to, if you want to get loyalty, you want to have more loyalty, start being loyal. Start sowing that to someone else. Uh, if you want to be able to, to, to have more uh, friends, then sow friendship. Actually be a friend to someone. Uh, and if you do that, that it will come back to you in great measure. Luke 6, 38 in the Passion Translation says it like this. It says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. I love that. The measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. So if you're if you're wondering why you're not seeing a large scale harvest, uh, I, I have to say this. Check how you've been sowing. Have you been sowing? Um, because generously, again, doesn't have with an amount, but it has to do with the heart condition. 
You know, when God's asking you for something, when, when God asks you to give, are you, do you find yourself always cutting it in half? God asks you for 100 and you give 50. God asks you for 20 and you give 10. God asks you for 5 and you give 250. God asks you to be a friend, but you halfway be a friend. God asks you to be loyal and you halfway show loyalty. Are you always cutting down on what God is asking you to do and then wondering why you're not receiving that full harvest? Understand, the Bible speaks a remarkable amount of time about teaching us through the scripture about the tremendous power of giving. Giving is important. The Bible spends an enormous amount of time talking about giving. Yet Christians as a whole don't like to hear about giving. And again, they don't like to hear about giving because when people hear the word giving, automatically their mind starts to think about what they're losing. But let me tell you something. When you give with the right motivation, when you are a prompt-to-do giver whose heart is in their giving, when you are cheerful about your giving, when you are joyous about your giving, you understand that God is unwilling to abandon you in any situation. God is unwilling to do without you. And so you don't have to see giving as a loss. Giving is not a loss in the kingdom as much as it is a method of exchange. What are, what are we exchanging? Our little for God's lot? We're exchanging our little for God's lot. Because no matter how much you have today, at some point, you're going to need more than what you have. So God tells us, tells us he says, use the resources that I've bestowed upon you so that you can sow and set up your future to have more so that you can find yourself always having. Notice this, the scripture says being self-sufficient in every situation. That's why God asks us to give. The Bible teaches us that we are to give both generously, watch this, and with the right motivation. Say that in the comment section. Say, I give generously and with the, and with the right motivation. It's got to be that that end is a, is a conjunction. It connects two things. I give generously and I give with the right motivation. I am not giving just to get. I know that the principle God has established is that if I give, I, I, if I give, I receive. But I give so that I can be a blessing to others so that I can keep the gospel going, so I can bless my church, so I can bless my men and women of God, so I can bless the children. That's why we give to FOC, so that we can do all the things that we do to continue to bless people. That is the reason. I love it. when uh, I had somebody the other day say, hey, Pastor Edwin, um, they said the, the marriage essentials, things that you and Pastor Shun have done in the month of March, uh, in, in, in May, and in, in the two you did in June, that she's literally said, that counselors have worked with us for years or two and never was able to scratch the surface of what you guys have done. They said, I want to know, is it possible for me to pay for four people to go through the class? She said, I don't even have to know who they are. I just want to sow $100, $25 for each person to go through the marriage essentials because it blessed me so much, I want to bless somebody else. That's the kind of heart God wants us to have. God wants us to have the kind of heart that when we receive something that's so good for us, we want somebody else to experience it. And that's the reason that the church at Philippi was giving to the Apostle Paul when he was preaching in other places because they said this gospel has changed our life. We want to give to you so that you can continue teaching what you taught to us so that someone else can be blessed. Again, we got to give with a generous heart and with the right motivation. 
Now, as believers, we begin to, to open spiritual windows and spiritual doors when we begin to give with the right motivation and we begin to give generously. Now, it's important when I talk about generously that, again, I have to say this, I am not talking about a particular amount. One of the most uh, memorialized giving opportunities that we read about was a woman in the Bible who was a widow. And the Bible tells a story that they were, it was, it was offering time, so to speak, at the temple. And everybody was coming around and they were giving their gifts and giving their uh, offerings and, and, and the different kind of offerings they were giving. And the Bible says that Jesus was watching them. Now, 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 I think that's important because if you don't think that Jesus watches your giving, then you're wrong. Because not only was he watching their giving, he's watching our giving now. He's watching how we give in connection to how we have uh, obeyed his instructions. And the Bible says a woman came by who was a widow and she gave two mites. And depending on what you read and where you read it, uh, the amount of those two mites uh, varies. But here's what everybody agrees. It was a very, very, very small amount. In today's time, it may have been worth less than pennies. Um, but the Bible says that when she did that, it caught Jesus' attention. Now, why did it catch his attention? Because it was so small? No, because he knew that she didn't have much at all. She, she didn't have a husband. And at that, those times, women depended upon their husbands for their livelihoods. But yet she came to the temple and she gave out of her poverty. And the Bible talks about how Jesus marveled at that, how that caught his attention because she gave so generously. And most people be like, well, she didn't give very much. No, she actually gave a lot. Why? She gave more than the people who were given all kinds of shickles of gold and silver and ounces and pounds of gold. Why? Because she gave out of her poverty. And what God is trying to get us to understand is that in the kingdom, amounts don't matter. Generosity is not based on how much you give. Generosity is based on how you give out of what you have. So what one person may give may be a lot in terms of numeric value, and someone else may not give a lot in terms of numeric value, but the person who didn't give a lot in that viewpoint may have actually given more. And that's the great thing about the kingdom. We can all be obedient to God and still be considered to be generous and doing it with the right motivation. Amen? So the Bible says this in Malachi 3, 10 through 12. And I know people go to Malachi when they talk about tithe, but I, I want you to, for just a moment, try to get tithe out of your mind for just a second. Uh, and I want you to think about, about it in terms of the types of giving that God asks us for. So let's real quick, let's define uh, there's really four types of giving that God asks us for. Four types of giving. Uh, and then we're going to get out your way here for today. And we'll come back and finish some of this up a little later. Well, let's talk about the four types of giving. Number one, there's what's called alms giving. A-L-M-S. Alms giving. And alms is anything that we give to relieve the poor or someone who is in a bad situation or less fortunate situation of their discomfort. Um, almsgiving is what we do when we give to the scholarship fund. Someone says, wait a minute, but they're not poor. Well, actually, if they don't have the money to pay for their college tuition um, and not be in debt, they are poor where, where college tuition is concerned. And so what we're doing is we're trying to alleviate um, the, the poor condition of them having to pay for college. And so almsgiving is anything given to relieve the poor of their discomfort. It could be money, it could be food, it could be clothing, it could be shelter, anything that you're giving to help someone. You know, when you're standing in the grocery store and the Lord says, hey, I want you to pay for their food. 
and, and, and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know them, or I don't want them to think I'm trying to. Uh, all those things that Satan comes into your mind to try to stop you from obeying God. That's why you got to be a prompt to do giver. You got to be a prompt to do giver. Because if you're not prompt to do, the enemy will come in and talk you out of it. But anytime you do anything like that, it's considered alms giving. All right, Pastor, what's the benefit of alms giving? Well, here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 19 and 17. Proverbs 19 and 17 tells us that there's a blessing when we participate in alms giving. It says, He who has pity on the poor lends to God, and that which he has given, he will repay him. Now, think about that. The Bible says that when you see someone in need and the Lord impresses upon your heart to give to them, that you are actually lending to God. It says, and when you become indebted to God, God is going to repay you. And how many of you know that God didn't ever repay just by giving you back what you had? God's repayment plan is always a repayment plan of abundance. So you never have to feel bad about giving. It's the reason Pastor Shun and I live by this, and, and she really taught me this because I wasn't this way at first. But we would be driving, we would see people on the side of the road, and they would be panhandling. Uh, and, and, and sometimes Pastor Shun would give, and sometimes she wouldn't give. And sometimes I'd ask to her, I, I say to her, I say, Why are you giving? Why why you give it? Why you give that person $20? They probably got a Mercedes Benz parked around the corner somewhere. Because that's happened before. There, there have been people who are professional panhandlers. And she said to me one time, and it really resonated with me, she said, I can never be conned when I'm doing God's work. I, I want you know, I want you to hear that. You can never be conned when you're doing God's work. If if you know you hear the voice of God and God tells you to give that panhandler ten dollars, even if that panhandler is a professional scammer, you didn't get scammed because you obey God. And in, in essence, what this says is that if you obey God, you became a lender to God. You became a person who lend to God and God repays him. OK, so never feel like somebody is getting out on you when you are obeying God. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I cannot be tricked when I'm obeying God. I cannot be tricked when I am obeying God. You can't be tricked. You can't be tricked when you're obeying God. Even if somebody's trying to scam you, but you're obeying Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit won't let you be scammed. God will repay you and then some for being obedient. Why? Because on the other side of obedience is always provision. So, so, so number one is almsgiving. Number two is the tithe. And I know that people want to talk about how we don't have to tithe in this dispensation. The tithing was of the law and that Jesus came and he did away with the law and, and all of that. Well, all that stuff you quote in the Old Testament about blessed going in and, and, and blessed going out, being the head and not the tail. That's that's under the law, too. But let's be clear here. Let's be clear here. Abraham tithed before there was ever a law to do so. Abraham came along before Moses. Abraham tied to Melchizedek before there was ever a, a, a requirement to do so. But here's what I'll tell you. Even for those of you who say, well, I'm not under the law. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to argue with you about that because there's another, another type of giving that I believe is even more powerful than the tithe, so to speak. If you want, if you want to live in that idea that tithing is of the law and now you don't have to tithe. And that is called grace giving. So we got alms, we got the tithe, 
and then we got grace giving. Now, I'm going to come back and talk about grace giving in just a moment, but let me give you the fourth one. The fourth one is your offering. An offering is anything given above and beyond what God has, has required or mandated. Now, I, I don't argue with people. Uh, you can't talk me out of the benefits of tithing. I, I'm a tither. I, I know what it was like when I wasn't. I know what it's like now that I am. And, and you can't talk me out of tithing, and I won't try to talk you into it. What I will tell you, though, is that even if you say that tithing is of the law and you're not under the law, you're under grace, great, because there's another kind of giving called grace giving. And grace giving should excel the alms. Grace giving should excel above the tithe. And grace giving should excel above the offering. Why? Because what is grace giving? Grace giving should be the goal of every Christian. Ultimately, that should be what you're aiming for. You shouldn't just be happy with just the 10%. No, no, no. You should be open to, uh, to grace giving because grace giving says anytime I'm prompted to give, I give. And, and, and anytime there's an opportunity to sow into someone or something that God loves, I'm there to do it. I'm a, I'm a prompt to do giver. I'm cheerful and I'm joyous. And 10% and is too short for me. I'm looking to be the 30% giver. I'm looking to be the 50% giver. I'm looking for God to bless me that if I gave 90% of my income away, the 10% would be more than I've ever made in my life. That's what grace giving will get you to. So let's talk about grace giving real quick and then I'm going to get out your way. I haven't forgot about Malachi because Malachi talks about um, the, 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 the windows of heaven being open for us. So Malachi 3, 10 through 12, here's what it says. It says, bring ye all the tithe. But if you don't like tithe, you can replace that. He says, bring me all, all the grace giving. Bring me all the alms. Bring me all the offerings. Whatever you want to put in there. He says, bring it all to me and bring it into my storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I God will do that. When you become a prompt to do giver, a person whose heart is in their giving, he says, and when you obey me where giving is concerned, he says, I will personally rebuke the devourer, he says, for your sakes. He said, and he shall, the devourer, shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now, you may, you may say, well, pastor, I'm not a farmer. You're not, but you got a business. You, you, you got a job, uh, you got investments, and, and all that skills apply. He says, when you are giving to me in the manner in which I have asked you to, when you come into alignment and agreement with me where your finances are concerned, he says, I'm telling you that I personally go out before you and I rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I don't let him touch your stuff. I don't let him come in and interfere with anything you got going on that we're partnering with. He says, I go out and do that for you. He says, and all the nations shall see it being done for you, and they shall call you blessed. They shall call you empowered. What do you mean? That means even when everybody else is losing money in the stock market, you'll be getting money in the stock market. Even when everybody else is losing their jobs and houses are being foreclosed on, even if you lose yours, I won't let you lose your house. Why? He says, because you have sown, you have given, you have honored me with the alms, you've honored me with the tithe, you've honored me with the offering, and you are a grace giver. And so because that's what you have done, I am unwilling to abandon you. Amen. Somebody ought to type that in the comment section. God is unwilling 
to abandon me. God is unwilling to abandon me. Now, who is he talking to? The givers? No, he says, well, he's talking to me too. I, 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 no, no, no. Are you a giver? The question is, are you a giver? If you're not a giver, that doesn't apply to you any more than my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you're not a giver, that doesn't apply to you. Now, some people may not like that. And as they used to say in the Kojic church, it's tight, but it's right. If you are not a giver, there are certain principles you don't get to uh, be a part of because you don't participate in those principles. And so then we talked about those, those types of giving. And now let's talk real quick about 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. And we'll finish with this. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. Uh, that will give us right at an hour. Uh, I may have to restart um, IG here in just a second. Uh, so, so let's get into this. When we talk about grace giving, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is the foundation of what grace giving should look like. So I want to take just a moment and I want to read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. And then I want to give you, I believe there's seven, I want to give you seven uh, principles. And they're real fast, so they're not long. Seven principles of grace giving. Seven principles of grace giving. Because remember, grace giving is what we ought to be aspiring to. Uh, we don't want to be a person who's just limited by the tithe. Or just limited to our offering, or just limited to uh, to alms. We want to be open to whatever God uh, is asking us to give, even if it's of our time, um, because time is the most precious thing we have, and it's, it's important to us. And we want to be open to give that to God as well. So, Second Corinthians chapter eight. Here's what it says. It says, "Moreover, brethren, we do to you, to wit, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia." How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and in their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. It says, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Verse 4 says, praying with us, which must entreaty, that we should receive their gift. And take up on us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Verse 5 says, And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Let me explain what those first five scriptures just said. Basically, he said there's this church, and this church was going through a lot of tribulations. And the tribulations and issues they were facing were, were great. And, and not only on top of that, they, they didn't have a lot of money. They were poor. But they found out that the Apostle Paul was going to, to teach the gospel. And when they found out that he was going to teach the gospel, they said, we've got to be involved with helping get this gospel out. This same gospel that has blessed us, we got to help make sure it gets to somebody. And the Bible says that the, 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 the missionary, Paul and his people, didn't really expect an offering from them because they knew they didn't have much. He says, but what they did do, first of all, is they gave themselves to the Lord. So I'm telling you that before you ever think about being a giver, the first thing you got to give is yourself to God. Are you saved? Are you born again? Have you made a decision to live according to the will of God for your life? Do you understand that you have been bought with a price? Do you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins? 
Are you honest and able enough to say, even if I'm not perfect, I choose to live for God? And if you have done that first, that's the most important thing. But once they did that, they realized, wait a minute, God wants us to use what we have, even though it's not much, to give into this, into this endeavor. What did they do? They partnered with God. So once you give yourself to God, then God can instruct you on who you should partner with. He can instruct you on who you need to partner with. Hold on just a moment. Let me go to uh, IG real quick and uh, get them back online. Y'all hold on just a moment. Go ahead and uh, just uh, give some hearts. Amen. Take a quick break and let's, let's, let's just get them back on and we'll finish this up. Praise God. Is this making sense to you? Let me know if this is making sense to you. I mean, you got to be a person who's willing uh, to partner with God. If you're not willing to partner with God, uh, it becomes very difficult uh, to be able to do the things necessary to receive what we're talking about. Amen. All right, I got IG back up here now, I believe. All right, so here we go. So those first five scriptures are telling us, is directing us, is letting us know that the reality and the truth is, is that even when you don't have a lot, God may still ask you to give. Not having is not a uh, requisite for not giving. So they didn't have a lot. They didn't have much at all. But the Bible says that they first gave themselves to God. And then after they gave themselves to God, they began to partner with God. So let's look at verse 6. It says, Insomuch that we desire Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. Okay, and let's go to verse 8. He says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Verse 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. He goes on here when, when in verse 8. He talks about how they, they, they must understand that even though Christ was rich, he became poor. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago and wrapped it in his Bible study. That he gave up all of his advantages of being rich so that he could come to earth to be poor. So that we, poor meaning he became human form, died on the cross for us, so that we could be rich. How do we do that? By partnering with God. So, so what is this grace giving? Let's talk about this real quick. Number one, here's th these are principles in grace giving. If you're going to be a grace giver, number one, you're going to always be generous. If you are a grace giver, you're going to always be generous. We can see this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 2. The Macedonians, they, they were great. They, they were generous. What is generous again? It's not about an amount. They were generous because they gave out of their poverty, even though they were in poverty, they still found a way to give. Most people, what they do when the, when the Lord asks them to give, they consider what it's going to cost them, not what they're going to gain. Most people consider what it's going to cost them and not what they're going to gain. And so if you want to be a person who is a grace giver, you got to understand what generosity means. Number two, if you're going to be a grace giver, that means you're going to do it willfully. No one's going to have to make you give. You know, we're not going to have a, a service where we lock the doors and say until we meet the budget, we can't go. We need another offering. We need three, four, five rounds of offerings. Listen, if everybody in the church 
gives their best gift the first time, there is no need for other offerings. Now, I'm not saying you don't you don't take them for certain things of certain people, but I'm telling you, this idea that people have four and five offerings built into the service is because they are they they, they they're, they're really putting pressure on people to give. And I'm telling you, the grace givers don't need pressure to give. Amen. Grace givers don't need pressure to give. Number three, if you're going to be a grace giver, it's always going to be directed. You're going to be a directed giver. You're going to be open to Holy Spirit in where to give. You, 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 you're not going to just give to the same thing every time, every way. You're going to always be open. God may always tell you to give to somebody, but he may tell you to give in a different way or a different manner at a different time. Grace givers are directed givers. They are people who are willing to hear God and obey in the direction to which they give. Amen. Number four, if you're going to be a grace giver, grace givers, uh, grace givers, it, it, it's, it's a shared responsibility. It's a shared responsibility. If you're a grace giver, you understand the collective importance of coming together with other believers and giving to a cause that's bigger than you. See, our scholarship fund is like that. Our scholarship fund is bigger than that. You know, I believe with everything in me, I told everybody on, on the live that we did about the, the scholarship fund, the only way we even got introduced in front of the organization that agreed to do the dollar-to-dollar -dollar match was because somebody, I don't know who, somebody shared what we were doing with our scholarship fund. I don't even know if the person who shared it gave to the scholarship fund ever before. All I know is that when, when, when we were contacted about applying for this grant, we were told that, our, that what we had been doing for the scholarship fund came up before somebody else. That was a shared responsibility. If you're going to be a grace giver, you got to understand there is more to giving with the collective than all by yourself. God blesses you not on what you just gave, but on the collective. Number five, grace givers should be uh, should be grace giving should be exercised. What does that mean? I mean that it should be something that is done on a regular basis. Grace givers don't just wait. For God to direct them. They have it in their heart to want to give. So they're asking God, God, where should I give to? God, who should I bless? I mean, literally, imagine what your life would be like if you woke up every morning and you said, God, who should I bless today? Whoever it is, show me, God. I'm ready to bless them today. I don't know if that means buying their meal. I don't know if it's sharing a word of, 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 of inspiration with them. Whatever you tell me to do, God, I'm open to do it. Grace givers are always looking to give in some manner. And it's not always money, but sometimes it is. Whatever your resources are, God will ask you of those resources in order to be a blessing to someone else. Number six, understand that grace giving is not required. It's not required. What do I mean by that? God should not have to make you do it. The Apostle Paul says, listen, I'm not requiring you to keep giving. I'm telling you that because of your giving, there is a blessing that's coming to you. And I don't say that to make you keep doing it. He said, I don't say it by forwardness, but by occasion. He says, I am letting you know that because it was in your heart to do it, there is a blessing attached to it. And if you continue to do it, there's continue to be a blessing. But I don't want you to do it thinking we're making you do it. Why? Because when you become a grace giver, no one requires you to do it. You do it because you love God. Giving becomes your expression of love. It's how you, uh, you know, the Bible says it like this. Wherever your uh, treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. Yeah, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When you begin to give into the kingdom of God, when you begin to sow into people's lives, your, your heart goes there because that's where your treasure is. And then lastly, number seven, grace giving reveals our love. That's what I was just talking about. Grace giving uh, reveals our love. Grace giving reveals our love for uh, for hopefully for God and then whatever we're giving into, whatever we're giving into. Listen, I got some other principles I'm going to share, but I think that's enough for today. Uh, I've been at this for about an hour. I'll come back uh, next week uh, or, or whenever I come back and talk about this because I, I think this is so important for people to understand. Uh, we still need to talk about the principles that, that follow when you give. I want you to hear about the blessing that comes upon your life when you give. And I want to hear, I want to talk to you about the, some benefits of giving. Uh, there are some, watch this, physical, logical benefits of giving. Hear me. There are some physiological benefits of giving. And I can show them to you in scripture. And when I come back next week, we'll talk about a few of those. Uh, and then we'll get into uh, some of the other examples of how people in the Bible demonstrated grace giving. And I'll show you the blessing that came up on their life. Listen, one more time, put this in the comment section. God is not a taker. God is not a taker. Amen. God is not a taker. Amen. Well, Pastor Sean is going to come. Uh, hopefully this was a blessing to you. Hopefully it, it intrigued you. I, I'm going to come back. I want to finish this uh, message uh, next week. Uh, I really want you to, to be open to hearing not only what giving is, which is what we talked about today, but I want you to see the principles that follows the life of, of a giver. Because it's like uh, it's like saying that uh, if you get on top of a building and you jump off, there are some principles that follow the person who tries to defy gravity. Well, there are some principles for people who get in line with giving with the right motivation and giving with a generous heart. So that today was kind of the what. Next week is going to be those tangible benefits, and you don't want to miss it. So come back here uh, next Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time right here, Fellowship of Champions. Facebook page live. Uh, before you do that, obviously at 9.30, I want you to join Pastor Chris for uh, worship on her page at Christian Valley Worships. Uh, but I want you to come back next week and I want you to hear about the, the, the benefits of being a giver and the principles that follow the life of a giver. Amen. Before you go, go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say, I am a giver. I am a giver. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to once again be with all of you. Pastor Shana is going to come. And she's going to give you our announcement. She's going to talk to you about all the stuff we got going on next week with Mindset Monday and Marriage Essentials and prayer and everything. All right. God bless you. Hey, guys, I won't be before you very long. Did you enjoy that teaching? I hope you did. Listen, here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you'll actually study these scriptures. Um, this week for yourself, you know, there is nothing like being able to hear God for yourself. And every believer has a born again, right? Because of the shed blood of Jesus, you have a right to be able to hear God for yourself. So I want to challenge you. Don't just wait until next Sunday. Actually spend some time studying these scriptures this week, right? 
I want to give you our announcements and then we're going to do something we haven't done since we have been out of church. We are going to do our giving confession this morning. Amen. We just, I just thought about that. I was like, man, we haven't done that since we have been out of the building. So I want to give you our announcements. Join me tomorrow at noon central time for Mindset Monday. I typically do this almost every Monday. Tomorrow, Pastor Chris will be joining me. Last week, we started a conversation about covenant partnership, covenant relationships, and it was very powerful. And we're going to pick up part two. Then join us Tuesday for prayer. We believe something supernatural happens when we pray. We have an anointed group of team, a group, an anointed team of people who pray the word. We are still praying for the will of God to be performed. And we're praying for supernatural protection and divine healing and health for the people of God as we walk through this pandemic. Then join us on Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Central as Pastor Ralph teaches Refresh Bible Study. I really love Refresh Bible Study. Listen. I love the word and I love to listen to good teaching. And let me tell you something. I really celebrate Pastor Ralph for stepping in and filling in this Wednesday night gap because especially because we're not able to be together collectively, we want to make sure that we're getting the word that we need to stay um, planning. And I really want to encourage you guys, listen, you may not be able to come physically to the building, but this is not the time to back up. This is not the time to let go of the word. This is not the time to get so busy watching TV and watching things of, of whatever is happening that you don't know what God is saying because it's still the year of great harvest. The same blood that saves is still the same blood that heals. He is still our God and he is for us. So join Refresh Bible Study. And then I want to uh, remind you, Pastor Chris, at 9.30 on Sunday mornings, and then come here for worship, I mean, for service at 10 a.m. I want to celebrate the scholarship fund. Y'all give some hearts. This is so amazing. Man, I know you heard Pastor Ellen say it, but I want you to think about this. One of the things that we've said in Fellowship of Champions a lot, we've used Amos 9. We said, things are going to happen so fast, your head will spin. Guys, we came and said, listen. We have an opportunity that if we raise $10,000, we can get a matching $10,000 grant. And in 17 hours, we raised $10,000 and got the matching $10,000. Somebody ought to say thank you for that. We thank God for that, and we thank every single person who gave. So that covers two scholarships. So then we decided that since we raised $10,000 in a day, let's spend the rest of the month raising $10,000, which so basically at the end of July, we will have funded three $10,000 scholarships. That's three kids that we know for sure their scholarships are taken care of, right? So now we have given, we now we have almost $16,000. We need another $4,000. And I want to encourage you, if you have not given, go to the GoFundMe account and give to the scholarship fund. How amazing is that? $10,000 in a day. It will happen so fast, your head will spin. And now it's time to give. It's your opportunity to give. We have our giving there. You can text to give. You can give through Tidally, Push Pay. You can give to through Givelify. And we want to thank our partners and the friends of this ministry for being faithful givers. You have no idea how many people you have helped because of your faithful giving. You have no, you, we've been able to keep everybody on payroll because of your faithful giving. We've been able to help people pay their rent because of your faithful giving. We've been able to buy groceries, pay electricity bills, meet people's needs because of your giving. And so we thank you and we pray for you the way the Apostle Paul 
pray for the church at Philippi. We pray that God will supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. We thank you for being our partners. You are so amazing. Listen, we we just pray that there's nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. So we're going to make our, our confession. Many of you who, if you've never been to a Fellowship of Champion service, you may not have heard this, but we used to make this every Sunday. And we're going to end today with this confession right here. Here we go. As disciples of the living God, we honor our Heavenly Father by giving our tithes, offerings, and gifts to be used in the fulfilling of the Great Commission. In return for our cheerful obedience, we believe for jobs and better jobs, growth for existing businesses, um, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales, and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, big checks in the mail, gifts and surprises. By the way, let me insert, Kristen got a gift and a surprise yesterday. This thing is happening. Hallelujah. Finding money. Debts paid off. Expenses decreased. Blessing and increase. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We believe for all of those things happening for our covenant partners. And so we bless you. We thank you. Study the word this morning, this week. Let your heart become a heart that's a giving heart. Become a quick prompt to do giver. We bless you. We love you. We'll see you on Mindset Monday. We'll see you Tuesday for prayer. We'll see you Wednesday for Bible study. And we'll see you back here Sunday morning for worship and then the word. Amen. We love you. Have a great week.